Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Event Industry News Podcast. A very happy new year to everybody. This is my first podcast of the year. And as usual, it's James Dixon here on the Event Industry News Podcast. Wishing you all a very good morning, afternoon or evening, wherever, whenever you tune into today's podcast from. And you can tell it's the first one of the year because just before I came on air here, I got to hit the record button. So it was a very, very short 10-second false start. But we're here, we're ready to go. Happy 2022 to everybody. I'm sure that actually we've got some episodes that were recorded at the back end of 21 that are yet to go out yet. So this one will probably go out in the next couple of weeks, but a very happy new year and uh, uh, wishing you all a very successful 2022 to all of our podcast followers. Now then, 2021 saw the reopening of the conference, meetings and events industry, enabling business uh, businesses across the sector to adapt to the new demand of their audiences, uh, face to face the challenges within the sector um, and dive back into reconnecting uh, with international businesses. As the industry heads into 2022, Farnborough International Exhibition and Conference Centre's team of meeting and events experts have shared what they think will be some of the biggest trends and predictions for the industry in the coming 12 months. And I'm delighted to say that joining the podcast today is their venue director, Carlo Zaccali. Carlo, thank you very much for joining the Event Industry News Podcast. Nice to meet you. And um, yeah, great to have you on the first show of the year. Morning, James, and afternoon or wherever people are listening from. Um, yeah, no, great to be here and, and happy new year to yourself. Now, of course, when we say Farnborough International, a lot of people in the events industry will uh, inevitably associate that with what the Farnborough International Air Show. And of course, uh, you know, without being too ignorant of it, I I guess that's what a lot of people know you for and what perhaps the the venue will be most famous and associated with. But that, of course, is is a biannual event. And there are awful lot of things that are going off within the facility on a normal year-to-year basis. Um, Tell us a little bit about the venue, first of all, for people who may not realise that you've got this great, big, fantastic facility there that does a lot more than just the air show. Yeah, so uh, we obviously we are known for for the air show, but we, since tw- opening in twenty eighteen, um, off the back of a, a decision to to expand the venue capacity here at Farmer International, um, we built a twelve and a half thousand square meter exhibition hall um, and a series of meeting rooms um, alongside it, which gives us a, a footprint of about twenty two thousand square meters in total. Um, so we can do everything from large exhibitions to large conferences um, to the more of the smaller experiential style events as well, which um, we've started to, to do a hell of a lot more over, over the last year and the last two years. Mm, absolutely. And of course, inevitably with this strange hiatus that we all went on um, in 2020 and into 2021. But as I said in the introduction there, we 2021 did offer us this great opportunity um, to reconnect. And when I mentioned that you and your team have sort of looked at these predictions and what you think may be trends for, for 2022, the demand for reconnection is is one of those key ones, isn't it? It is very much so. You know, whatever sector you're in um, or whatever business you're in, the one place to be able to do that is in connections with events. Um, exhibitions are specifically um, allowing many sectors to get together with many clients. And, you know, we haven't been able to do that. We've been stuck behind video conferences, webinars and and, and group chats um, in a variety of different ways. But still being able to reconnect in a person to person event like an exhibition um, is really, really powerful. Um, I think not only for the individuals to meet multiple clients um, in one place, which might take them, especially if you're in a pharmaceutical sector um, you might have to do that over a a space of six months to see all of those clients but you could see them all in one place in one event over two days 
Mm, absolutely. And um, I, I've used this quote uh, and it's not a quote. It's it's a, a lyric from a song, but you don't know what you've got till it's gone. I've said that many times on the podcast since um, since the pandemic, you know, since we kicked back in from the pandemic. And that demand for reconnection is very much driven by that, isn't it? There was, um, dare I say, it, almost uh, 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 certainly amongst audiences, I felt um an almost complacency, you know, oh, we've got another event to go to, we'll go and shake some hands and have a wander around and everything. And when that was taken away, suddenly people re really realised the value of those events that as organisers and as venue operators, we've been extolling for many, many years that the actual value of face-to-face. -face. And um, I, I wonder when it comes to that demand for reconnection, is this very much an audience-driven demand? Do you think it's the audiences who've really realised what they've missed? I think it is. I think it is. I think, you know, us as individuals, how do we we like to do things? You know, it's normally surrounded by events, whether that's a group dinner with your friends. You know, you're not doing that on a, on a WhatsApp chat and having dinner on a Saturday night. You know, that might have became a new trend, but it certainly is not one that, you know, many people want to do. So we've always been surrounded by people and and, and in industry and in events with, with them basically disappearing pretty much overnight um, with, with what we had to go through in 2020 and 2021. Um, it was a real realization for a lot of people that their way of doing business suddenly went out the window. A lot of salespeople that would be at these stands and where they would generate new business inquiries, you know, suddenly that's a whole part of what they would have always done has disappeared. And now they've got to think of new ways to adapt, you know, but for what we want is obviously for them to come back and do more events again and, and reconnect in maybe in slightly different ways than what they've done previously um, into to large scale. So maybe actually doing some of their own stuff um, and actually get into an audience that is is looking to still connect but maybe in a more niche environment yeah that, that's interesting because uh, you know you, you lead on very nicely to, to to one of the other points that you guys raised when you were looking at these, these potential predictions and trends <clears throat> excuse me which is which is the, the resurgence of niche events and again this is something that we have discussed on the podcast you know since uh the start of last year and it's strange now being in 2022 thinking that, you know, when you look at a calendar, the pandemic started two years ago, you know, we're now effectively two years on from the start of this. Um, a lot of people have said that there will be, you know, a, a big surge in niche events, you know, maybe not large scale, but certainly offering a really, really unique in insight into unique trade sectors or specific marketplaces with audiences who may not be as big, but who do demand a certain level of face-to-face -face contact in order to do business. What are your own experiences, uh, you know, up to date of some of those sort of niche inquiries and, and events that are going to come to, to Farnborough? Yeah, I mean, we actually saw it actually in 2020 and 2021 um, with some of the more niche events, because I think what the market realised, you know, in, in August 2020, that we were allowed to do events for up to 30 people. Um, and, you know, certain manufacturers, especially within the automotive sector, saw that as an opportunity to actually get a much smaller group together um, and take them through a, an experience. And and what that mm -hmm. enabled, and I think that then pattern then followed through 2021 and, and followed into 2022. And, and we saw that huge within the automotive sector where they want that very much one-to-one -one experience with either individual or group 
but to take them through a buying pattern of a vehicle, especially with the emergence of EV, um, you know, and, and learning the whole route to market. It's not just about getting in a car anymore and driving it and know you can fill it up at the petrol station. It's about the infrastructure at home. It's taking them through the journey. What is the best option for them? Is it leasing? Is it purchasing, you know, outright? So, you know, that whole experience that they wanted to take that client through really emerged, you know, and we did a, we did a big event for Polestar back in 2020. Um, and, and that's a client that doesn't have any forecourts they don't have you know you can't walk into a into a polestar dealership they got pop-ups and actually that pop-up was the start of what they lent went into and pop-ups at westfields and pop-ups at different venues across yeah, the uk yeah. and, and it really just started to say actually you know there are other ways to engage with your clients but still doing it in an event environment yeah and it's 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 i suppose in some respects it's like the Jerry Maguire um, approach to, 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 to event planning, isn't it? You know, it's fewer clients, you know, more attention. And um, when I mentioned, you know, maybe some of that sort of complacency that audiences maybe felt, certainly with things like conferences, trade shows, et cetera, you know, pre-pandemic, it was very much a sort of going through the motions. I'll take a day out of the office, go and have a wander around Excel or the NEC or one of the other exhibition, you know, venues and shake a few hands and, you um, I guess a lot of the events industry itself was driven by headline numbers. How many people can we get through the door so that we can then give those statistics back to our exhibitors and justify prices and resale and all the rest of it. And um, actually there, there is a strong case for, you know, these niche events, not necessarily niche markets, but where the organizer really lavishes a bit more attention onto a smaller group of those audience members and participants to really make them feel feel special and, and raise the value of that 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 day out yeah exactly that and i think look you know we they are looking now to that, that multiple touch to to really access that audience and further expand their brand with that audience you know mm. we, we've now emerged into a you know we've got influencers and, and other audiences that we, we're aiming into and and that audience have its own audience of its own um you know so i think a lot of these brands are, are really looking at how they can create that awareness and build engagement in a, in a time when we haven't really been able to market ourselves in our normal way so being able to really sort of, I guess, I hate the word, but we've everyone's used it over the last two years as pivot and, and look at doing things slightly different. And, and I think that that shows you the step, the, the strength and depth of some of the marketeers and event people within the industry that have enabled that to happen. And, and I yeah. think we'll start to see some of that now, hopefully, and hopefully start to creep into other events. You know, we're trying to do that from a Farmer International perspective, the air show, and how we can change up what we've always done um, to create a better experience for the client um you know customer is always centric to to anyone's approach with any of this um of and you know and i think whatever platform you put it into is how you engage with that audience um and i think if we can get those right in the larger scale events as well as in the more niche events then it just is a more powerful message all the way around sure and 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 just to just to sort of uh, uh, back up what what you were saying one of one of the statistics that you guys have published is that you saw um a, a new visitor uh, new visitors to the venue increased to 79% compared to 54% in 1920 um so that's that's really that's a significant you know rise in in new visitors coming into the venue <clears throat> when you know a lot of the industry is re is based on repeat business you know repeat bookings annual events with a lot of the same audiences coming through that that is a significant increase statistically 
It, it is, you know, and, and if you look at some of the events that happened in, in that 2021 period, you know, it was, we had some new launches in there. We had the British Motor Show, um, which brought a whole new audience to, to Farnborough International um, in, in August. Um, but, you know, that was an event, again, which was 85% outdoors. And I think a lot of our organisers enabling them to be able to go outdoors. And I guess that's one of the luxuries that I didn't mention at the start is that we have a lot of outdoor space here at Farnborough. You know, mm. and we're renowned for it when we build an air show because we park planes all over it. Um, but yeah. when we can run other events, you know, it enables us to do that indoor mix and outdoor mix. And, you know, we, we had, you know, we, we launched our first event um, in June, I think it was in, in 2021, um, when we kind of restarted. Um, and, and what that day was, that was a catalyst really for us to have a, you know, we had 12 and a half thousand square meters indoors and we had 12 and a half thousand square meters indoors as well and outdoors. So you had a mix of both, mm -hmm. um, you know, doubling the size of the event, but also allowing the audience that freedom to move outdoors and indoors while we did have set restrictions on, on how many people you could have in your building at any one point. Mm. And that flexibility, again, ties into one of the other points that you guys raised about you know, trends for this year. And, and, and that's the elevation of the event experience. You know, um, we, we do need to think quite seriously about how we present our events to audiences. Now that there is this, this demand and a resurgence of people wanting to, to re-engage and get back into their face-to-face uh, -face environments to do business, they also want to break away from what was this complacent maybe approach you know pre-pandemic you know and it's forced organizers and venues to become a little bit more innovative i think um and and as you were alluding to there the indoor the outdoor space you know make use of both um you've probably got a very dynamic you know exciting venue when people are arriving you know I, I'm not sure the exact proximity, but, you know, you're essentially next to Farnborough Airport, I'm guessing. So, you know, you've got that sort of element of excitement there that people may get, you know, almost that feeling of when you go on holiday and you arrive at an airport. You know, there's there's got to be a certain dynamic there within your actual venue that's going to help organisers to elevate their experience. Yeah, exactly. Look, you know, driving driving in for into our main gate, and you've got private jets um, on the left of you taking off or landing. You know, is a is an experience that you're not going to get anywhere else within Europe. Um, mm. You know, to to have that experience um, of a of a private plane, you know, coming in and out, and it's you play a bit of guess who, um, you know, which is which is exciting in itself. So, and and I think especially with our B to C events that happened in 2021. That really did help, you know, because I think it gave the client, you know, it's not there to distract, but it's also there as a bit of an interest factor. Mm. Um, you know, I, I remember seeing, you know, cars doing donuts in the front car park as part of an activation um, for one of our events. And, you know, you had jets taking off in the background and, and everyone was just in awe. But did it detract away from the main event? No, it didn't. But what did it do? It just elevated that and created a different engagement point for that audience. Um, you know, and, and just another thing to, to look at during maybe low points um, between, you know, live action arenas. Yeah. And, and is that elevation of the experience also extending into the timings of events? I'm curious to know whether or not there is still this sort of, you know, very rigid approach to business events where, you know, it will be 9, 9.30 start and a 4.35 p.m. wrap up or are people starting to extend into the evening and looking at doing more entertainment, more, you know, networking type of events so people will stay into the evening part of the, the sort of the clock as well? 
Yeah, and, and again, it is very sector-led. You know, we, we look after a show here called ITT Hub, um, and it's, it's part of our portfolio, and, and we've actually moved our opening times um, to 8 a.m. for that show because they are very much about the logistics and transport sector um, mm. with freight, and, you know, that's an audience that is normally at venues a lot earlier in the morning, you know, so we may as yeah. well open the show earlier um, and then extend it into networking drinks. And, you know, when we ran it in 2021, we had one of the – it was England versus Germany um you know so actually we put on you know a massive great big tv screen and unfortunately british weather didn't help us out so we gave everyone ponchos as well um because it was a rather wet night but everyone really enjoyed it and i think that was a real highlight for us to show that people wanted to re-engage not only in the event but also that social activity and that social activity is you know i think how many times do people say it, that you get most of your business done in the pub after the event and actually yeah. that's the bit that we really missed it's that connection point and those networking opportunities that we have surrounding events reconnecting with our industry and, and that is why that is so important yeah d d definitely that um like you said you know people have joked for years and years haven't they that all the business at, a, at an event or a show or a conference is done in in the bar in the evening you know and and those conversations are two and two two in the morning i'm sure that there's many people listening to this who you know can can claim to claim to have done the best or the worst deal of their lives you know at, at two o'clock after a, a double trivers regal um but 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 that's part of the excitement and why we love going to these things isn't it that, that that's always been part of the events industry it will always be part of going to events as an audience member and as organizers, you know, I, I guess there's, there's an element of just, you know, embrace that, but let's see how well we can do it. Can we structure that within the actual schedule of our event? Can we make that part of it rather than becoming something that the audiences just go off and do themselves in the hotel? Can we actually structure that? Can we bring some sort of quality to that um, as part of our own event? And, and, and you know, dare I say it, that that could, in, could, could, really, um, could really enhance things, you know, if they do actually sort of embrace that, uh, that particular element. Yeah, exactly that. And I think it, it will work for certain events and it might not work for all events. But I, I think that's the ability, you know, without trying, we're not going to be able to see how it is going to impact on the audience that are attending your event. Um, you know, I was lucky enough to attend IMEX um, in America um, mm. back in, in November. And again, that is one of those events where it's very social. You know, it's our industry. We're getting back together. We haven't got back together in a trade show for such a long time. Um, you know, and you're there, you're organizing dinners, you're organizing you're going to drinks receptions you're going to parties you're going to all the things that the hotels are throwing on you know and it's if you can take some of those bits and wind them into your event you know whether it's networking opportunities extended barbecues you know other bits and pieces and but you've got to also look at the i guess the dynamics of where you're running your events as well and you've seen you know things happening at the nec excel and the expansions over at olympia as well you know and other venues as well and thinking outside of the box and i think that's what a lot of clients are starting to do now is yeah. you know it don't have to always be confined to the current venue you're at you know you could go to somewhere else i mean if you're at excel you could do an after party on sunborn you know on the boat or something like that and, and just change up the not only the the scenery for the clients um you know which they then feel like they're going somewhere slightly different and changes the dynamics and i think that's where a, a lot of clients are going to start looking at over over this coming year yeah definitely um 
the, the, the final point that that um, that we're going to talk about today, um, and as I said at the top of the show, this is driven by some of the uh, the, the the team at Farnborough International and some of the predictions uh, and trends that they foresee in 2022. Is is this 360 uh, approach to the marketing and the delivery of an event? Um, again, if we, if we wind back the clock 10, 15, 20 years, you know, events came round annually. It was three days at the venue, two, three days at the venue, and you'd go and do the event. And right, see you next year. Goodbye. Um, and you might sort of start to see a few adverts for it popping up in the trade magazines three or four months prior to the event taking place. We really live in a world now where there is so much engagement available. A 360 marketing approach is not just... Um, a fad or an ideal it's it's really a must-have approach to, to running an event isn't it and um i'm cu curious to see how as a, as a venue how are you acknowledging that for your clients in terms of mm -hmm. what you offer within the venue and support from your own teams to be able to deliver that 360 approach yeah no definitely look and i think we're seeing it we're, we're, we're in a fortunate position where we are venue organizer in in one um so we can kind of train ourselves to, to to have that that thought pattern whether it be in the marketing team our operations team or our sales team and i think one of the things that we're doing more closely with our clients is is giving them that opportunity to have their voice having more events that are throughout the year but looking at how building I guess a proposition that not isn't just that one moment in time of where their exhibition is, but actually, you know, do they want to do a series of conferences throughout the year? Do they want a place to do a webinar? You know, do they need a base for doing something? You know, and, and how can we give them those facilities to do that? But also look at learnings that we have as an organizer as well, you know, whether it be with ITT Hub, GUAS, sustainable skies or, or the air show and see how what we've done and what are our learnings you know because it, it can be a bit of a minefield out there for some people to understand what they should be doing and how they want to get and interact with that audience and i think it's no longer an event can just be a moment in time it has to be that whole, you know, 365 days, 360 vision um, of what you are and whether you've got a news channel to, to support behind it, how you're doing podcasts, how you're doing webinars, you know, and how are you filtering out industry information out to that audience as well. So it's not just about constantly banging on about your event, but it's also about being you are the leader in your sector to try yeah. for your event. So not just talking about your event, because there's other people out there that are probably doing a similar within your market. But how do you separate yourselves from them? And that's by actually being the voice of your industry and being really consistent with that, engaging with your audience, engaging with your manufacturers, you know, and getting the most out of those guys as well. And, and getting them to do a little bit of the work for you, because they're actually wanting to get their messages out there. So give them a platform to do that. Yeah, and and some, something I want to pick up on here is is a key word within your own, you know, business name, and that's the international bit of it. It is Farnborough International. You know, you, you are dealing with international events, international visitors, international clients, um, and inevitably now, as as events have come back face to face and in person and live and however we want to term it there is inevitably going to be this requirement of some sort of hybrid element or some way of bringing in guests, audiences, delegates who can't physically make it there, who may be in a different country. And it's a little bit of a tangent, but I did want to ask you today whether or not, uh, you know, from a facility point of view and an infrastructure point of view in the venue, are you embracing the fact that you may have people coming there as audience members who maybe want to nip off and have a, an hour's video conference with somebody who can't make it, you know, what have you got set up and, and how is it geared up within the venue to do that? 
Yeah, and we do. So we work with a lot of our organisers to understand what the sort of requirements they might have from their audience as well. And we have a few rooms that we all hold off um, on the day, which then are bookable um, for the organiser and completely free of charge for them. To, and they've got video conferencing facilities with, within those rooms. And, and you're right, you know, we are, as, a, as ex, that exhibition industry, we are trying to work out how you can really create more of a digital pass option as well to extend the opportunity. Um, and I think that's something that has really highlighted through the pandemic is where we've actually been able to have take a lot of our events online and have a virtual audience which is maybe an audience that we might not have actually reached before so actually can by putting the two together and having a hybrid element um which doesn't always detract from what happens at the show because i think that's still important that face-to-face stuff but for people maybe that are non-uk based um, or european or international based they've got the ability to still be part of something especially from a content perspective um or how you repackage that post event and i think that's the the big thing so whether it's actually going to be a live element directly from the show or you're packaging up all your video content and then that's getting republished out um and it's being reutilized um in in the long periods and you know we work with technology partners like Aztec um, mm. who do that a lot for our shows um, yeah. and Smart Digital um, so you know there's lots of different parties out there that can do a lot of different things. Yeah absolutely one thing that I must ask as well um, major event venues will always have an, an element of their website or their material that they can give to organizers that says here are nearest transport hubs and links you know here's the nearest railway station the nearest airport is 30 miles away um, as a venue that is fundamentally got an airport on site, um, albeit a very unique one, um, how big a, a sort of selling point is that for the type of events that you are dealing with in that maybe some of the, the uh, not so much higher profile, but there will be people, business customers and, and delegates coming to some of your events who do have the luxury of maybe flying directly in. Is, is that a significant selling point, not just for the air show, but for other events that you operate as well? Yeah, I mean, it started to have. Um, I would say it started to come with more of the niche events that we run. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, we, we did an event um, where we actually flew the delegation in from um, from Belfast. Um, and actually, they chartered two flights into the into the airport. Um, and the clients didn't even have to leave the airport confines <laughs> to literally come onto the come onto the site. And you know that that was a group of about eighty individuals. Um, yeah. You know, but again, they actually found it was cheaper for timings and flight costs and transportation costs than flying them directly from Belfast into Farnborough than it was flying them into Heathrow or Gatwick um, yeah. because of the location of where they wanted to have their event. You know, so we, we can work with that and we've got companies that we work with from chartering facilities. I'd say it's, it's still not a huge selling point for us. It's, it's more of a niche point, but it's sure. there. And we find that, you know, you do have some delegates that would fly in there um, for, for senior companies um, when they're holding their, their group events. But it, it's still, you know, we're really proud of what we deliver here at Farnborough in terms of our destination, our links. You know, we've still got great links into Heathrow as well, um, sort of 25 minutes away. You know, course, we still yeah. see a majority of our international travel coming that way. Sure, absolutely. We've been joined on the podcast today by Carlo Zaccali, who is the venue director at Farnborough International, talking about some of the trends and uh, what we what we think uh, will be happening in 2022, driven by um, uh, some stuff that, 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 that Carlo and the team at Farnborough International have actually put out. And um, presumably, uh, these trends, if people want to read them in a little bit more detail, and that you know what you guys have come up with as a team, there it, it is available from from your website, or if they contact you, you know, if people want to maybe pick up this conversation directly with you guys they can do that 
Yeah, they can. Yeah. So look, if they if they head to our website, um, which is www.farmbra.com, um, we do have this blog registered on on there, um, listed on there, um, and they can they can check it out. They can also check out our Twitter, um, which I know is farmbra underscore int, um, and obviously. I'm also available myself. If anyone's got any questions, um, they can reach me at carlo.zakali at farmbra.com. That's fantastic. It's a great, great way to kick off 2022 with a little bit of a look ahead, Carlo. And let's just recap on those, the, the four key points that we talked about today, the demand for reconnection, the resurgence of niche events, elevating that experience and engagement. And of course, the 360 marketing approach that I'm sure will be um, synonymous in the industry and something that everybody has got their eye on is this year round approach and 360 approach to marketing it. Carla, it's been great to speak to you. Thanks for um, thanks for joining us today. Of course, if people want to get in touch with, uh, with us directly, at Event News Blog on Twitter is the Twitter handle. And of course, you can find Event Industry News across all of the social media platforms if you just search for Event Industry News or EIN. Um, and of course, on the website, eventindustrynews.com, if you are listening to this podcast today, head over to eventindustrynews.com. You can check out videos of all of the podcasts, as well as the latest news features and special supplements that are being produced by the team at Event Industry News. Of course, if you are watching this already on the website, well, hello. Uh, very good to see you all. And don't forget that audio versions of all of the podcasts are available via wherever you get your podcasts from, whichever platform you choose to engage with. Um, it's been great to kick off 2022 with our chat with Carlo Zaccali from Farmer International. My name is James Dixon. Thanks very much for joining the podcast and we'll see you on the next episode. Goodbye, everybody. Mm -hmm.